Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is sponsored by Linton Travel Tavern. Equidistant between London and Norwich, our comfortable tavern offers round-the-clock service. Whether it's a hot egg, a crescent of crisps, or you just want pornography to come on your telly, we're there for you day and night for months on end. Special long-stay rates are available, and there's a robust Corby trouser press and daily shower gel in every room. Bring your big plate and call us now. A 68 is monkey tennis, <laughs> which is a load of Alan Partridge fans talking about Alan Partridge. That's like the West Wing one. <laughs> Oh, do, you remember, do you remember that one where he shouted Dan? Oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? What did you like about that one? Oh, I liked it when he shouted Dan. Me too. Is there anyone called Monkey Tennis? Monkey I'm Tennis. I'm going to go and get it. it. I thought you were joking. The Alan Partridge Podcast. Brilliant. Monkey Tennis. Monkey Tennis. L- looks like a lady, but uh, really it's a man. Monkey Tennis. Monkey tennis. Monkey tennis. I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Roll on the thighs of a virgin. Monkey tennis. You've had to listen to our crap for six weeks. Thankfully, checkout is about an hour from now. Welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge podcast. Uh, we will be moving on to episode six of series one, Towering Alan, very shortly. Uh, Alan's now been in a travel tavern for 182 days. But before we get on to that, just a quick word about series two. Thankfully, we've been deep in contract negotiations with Tony Hares at the BBC, and we have been given... A second series. Hey! Back of the net. So we'll, Strasbourg. We'll be, ta- we'll be taking a short break, but we'll be back with series two featuring Static Caravans, Sonia, Bono's house, allegedly, and more. Uh, but first, the small matter of introducing my co-hosts. I'm Adam Brooks, and I have Tom Dark. Does anyone have a battery for an Ericsson? Nick Older. A Dossa and a Dwad. And Tom Stab. This country. So, uh, episode six, Towering Alan, the final one of the series, um, opens as usual in Whoa. Radio Norwich. Oh, go on. Wow. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, um, he takes Dave Clifton to task almost immediately for uh, using D's instead of T's when broadcasting, splitting hairs, etc. Um by this point, it's full deterioration with Dave Clifton, isn't it? They hate each other. Well, they weirdly, they were getting on with each other last week when they were talking in that medieval style, in a jovial fashion. Oh, yeah. yes, but remember that was potentially because they'd been uh, told off, reprimanded. Yes, that's what we're that's yeah. what we're guessing. We By now, Alan assumed. is 
fully willing to slam Dave Clifton for being an alcoholic on the air. Yeah. An alcoholic. Alcoholic. <laughs> Easy for you to say. He's, he's back on the bottle. Can I ask a quick question? I get all the puns and references to titles of the episodes in this series. Apart from this one, am I being an idiot? What am I missing? Uh, no, I, they, I've either read this or heard this on some kind of commentary. So all they did with the episode titles was just found a way where they could change a word for Alan. Yes. It doesn't necessarily have to tie into what's uh, happening in the episode. It's just a really... No, no I, get, I, I kind of get that. I, I thought... But what's the... Ta- what's Towering... Uh, well, what? I thought... Oh, Towering Inferno. Oh, is that oh, what right, you mean? Yeah. You didn't yeah, yeah. Film. Right, but yeah. also, I think I think generally they do relate to to the state of Alan yeah, in thought... each episode because the first one is a room in an Alan, with an Alan because he's he's in the travel tavern, towering Alan. Surely it's because by the end of this episode he's he, he's peaking again. You know, it looks like things are going to go. He's right bounced to him. back. I haven't well, seen yeah. Towering Inferno, so no. But just the, it's more just the word towering, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. he's 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 back on top, sort of in a way, possibly in a building that's burning to the ground <laughs> <laughs> looking at the commentary for this uh, Steve Coogan doesn't think this is the strongest episode there is a lot of uh, Armando Inucci and Steve Coogan throughout saying after jokes oh that was silly or we were very tired <laughs> <laughs> a bit like this actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think this episode is great to be fair what our podcast uh, <laughs> I was well, less, that less that one thing I noticed in the opening credits of this episode is that there's a shot of Alan punching Michael does this ever happen in the show well no that's that's what I I think I didn't notice I, that have I talked no, about this before that. that all the opening credits they have the, the the visual clips behind the graphics it's all things that aren't in the actual episodes themselves they're all outtakes oh I see so it's like with the when in episode uh, three with the water breaks company um there's stuff in one of the credit sequences where alan is dressed from head to toe like a sailor yes but that doesn't feature in the actual episode so that is if if you look at these bits it's it's quite interesting you think there's so much more partridge gold out there that we just haven't seen uh, lots of ties between this and the first episode of the series as well in terms of uh, series commissioning and people who reappear and so on but one guy who turns up for the first time who i absolutely love uh, and has to do very little to elicit genuine comedy gold is uh, Kevin Eldon. Sorry, yeah. use his full title? The actor the Kevin, actor Kevin, Eldon. Kevin Eldon. Uh Yeah, he is amazing in this and yeah. does says almost nothing. Yeah, he's not really in it very much, but his character is brilliant. And also, apparently, the laughter is something that they actually added at the last minute. Originally, his character had a whole, had a conversation with Alan. It was a slightly different uh, bent. And then, I, I don't know whose idea it was, but the idea of him him laughing at ridiculous things like <laughs> the name of hi-fi equipment and <laughs> the lifts. doors of the lift. Yeah, yeah. And lifts. Yeah, these corridors. Uh, <laughs> they are, aren't they? <laughs> also, having gone back and watched this, it doesn't appear that Kevin Eldon has aged whatsoever. He looks exactly the same in 1997 as he does now. That's a very good point, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he's introduced relatively early on as Alan's on his way up to the room where it seems upon entering that Lynn has done a poo. Oh, I love that bit. Just, yeah. let, just let myself in. <laughs> tummy trouble. I've just written... Shut the, <laughs> shut the door then. I've written Lynn's done a poo and potentially been in his drawer. Liberties. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just like, would you do that? Would you let yourself into your boss's room you, and do a poo? She says she has tummy troubles. Got to, when you got to go. go. Yeah. When you got to go, you got to go. Maybe she oh, was caught short. Also, it's a, a reoccurring theme that no one in this series, mostly Alan, has no problem whatsoever with telling people that he's been pooing <laughs> it's yep. about to poo loves a poo true <laughs> whether it be love making with Jill yeah he's just not afraid to yeah, tell people about care. his body movements what's your point um well actually not much so he then is having a conversation with Jill about uh, sorry with Lynn you, keep, you, you keep, keep doing that it's you, a, you're it's a, Freud, it's a Freudian clip yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should cut oh. this out <laughs> It's just my deep-seated love of Julia Deacon, obviously. Um, So, yeah, he's talking to Lynn about uh, the fact that he's going to present uh, slash host this uh, country fair. At Swatham. At Swatham. And there's a brief chat about uh, the risk of his assassination at said event. Um, He's an easy... He's a soft target. target. I love that Lynn is like, but it defies sense as if it's... Why? She can't understand how murderer happens at all. True, or or why anyone would dislike Alan, which yeah, seems weird. Yeah, I, I would go and also that. she does comment um, when Alan puts his kind of barber jacket on that uh, oh, very manly, yeah. which again I think is a bit of a nod that there's there's something there. There's a little something. There's a little something there. Uh, obviously, he's a softer target than the prime minister, who is, as he quotes, surrounded by bouncers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also wondered if maybe he's uh, particularly sensitive after the Jed encounter in the last episode. Maybe that's why he's yeah. Oh, good feeling point. the need very for extra security. Point. Very good point. Adam Brooks making more good. Points there. 
Uh, a lot of imagined violence in this episode as well, particularly when he talks to uh, Lynn in terms of, you'd hit the wall. If she was <laughs> yeah. And later on at the fair as well, when he's talking about uh, pouring water on a, on a pan fire, how it will take your face off. Yep, yep. Or you have him talking about the murder weapons at the, the fair as well. The actually oh, yeah. make a good murder weapon. You could beat somebody to death, then eat the evidence. Yep. Yeah, I did some Googling to see if that had actually been a crime that someone had been committed of. And? Nothing. Death by onion. <laughs> There's only. The, the well, only of course, thing... no one would be committed to that crime yeah, because they'd have eaten the evidence. The only thing so I could find was people eating drugs or eating uh, a breathalyzer. <laughs> they were asked to. Really? Yeah. What? Wow. Yeah. What, to get out of giving a breathalyzer? Yep. So it's either not been done before or Here's it just clue. works because he was eat having the, the breathalyzer, he might have actually been drunk and therefore tried to eat the breathalyzer. Yeah, Surely and unfortunately, the... no one killing yeah. someone with. A food stuff and then eating the evidence. Unfortunately, a murder has not occurred. I just don't see how you're going to get away with eating a breathalyzer like the police officer's not going to notice. I will share. Where's that, that gone? I'll share the link on the socials if people actually want to have a look at that. Uh, it was in Russia. Imagine, I'm curious. You it just eat the Russia. breathalyzer and just go to the cop. I'll see you in 12 to 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also, I don't know why I've kept a note of this. He keeps loose Werther's originals in sanitary bags. Yep. Is that yep. weird? Uh, no, he's sort of lamenting the amount of time he's been spending in the travel tavern now. He realises yep. it's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. yeah. It's 26 yeah. weeks. Especially the story where he talks about dialing nine for an outside line and he's been around to a friend's house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love his, his reaction that he's like, I just left. I couldn't stay there after that. <laughs> Not after that. <laughs> Not as something as serious as that. The he's nine on the phone. And surely you just ring the police every single time you try to make a, make a call. Uh, at this point, Sophie delivers a bag of his stuff that he's finally managed to wrestle from his ex-wife, Carol, um, including pictures of his daughter, Denise. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have a picture of his kids. Didn't bother to pick up a picture of his kids. Did have a picture of Jet from Gladiators. Um, also, in the commentary... They claim that the box contains all his old year planners so he can plan his entire life. And again, um, Sophie being a bit of a dick here. By I think she's, this is a bit mean, I think. Yeah, laughing at, a laughing picture, at, his, la- daughter. Laughing at his daughter. <laughs> yeah. a bit she's mean. she's really, just a bit really of a rebel. Like <laughs> I'm just trying, what, what haircut does Denise have as well? That's, it's, it's short hair, yeah, uh, and she's a bit of a rebel. So I guess, I mean, Side it must be, must, be, <laughs> must be similar to Alan's, I guess. <laughs> Um, but I, I do think his interaction with Sophie is very funny though because again she's just taking piss out of him it's like have I got a pierced navel she's like I don't know well I haven't and then <laughs> he's <laughs> the bit when he's talking about crude toilet humour suck my such and such something, <laughs> something all over my whatever yeah, yeah. and then Sophie just responds with my penis is so and so and again yeah. he just doesn't know what to make is she it. getting that wrong on purpose yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely fair enough I think yeah she's taking the piss he then, the whole time he then does an amazing lunge for the draw uh, <laughs> yeah. as she's about to Very make it um, yeah, yeah Steve Coogan's watch came off by accident you can spot that him oh really putting, him putting it back on as he that's the second the lunge scene. as well because he lunged uh, at Lynn as well when yeah. she was yeah. making him a horlicks and he jumped off the bed uh, to turn his lamp off uh, yes. once as well There's some great yep. stunt work in this room yeah. Coogan. sorry his watch falls off and in the scene he puts it he's visibly putting it back on yeah well it comes loose it's like the, the, the right. clasp comes right. off um, consummate professional Coogan yeah yeah also, I put down that uh, Lynn obviously hates Tony even more than Alan does, it seems, when she eats yeah. the devil. Yeah, the, the devil can take many forms. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. And Sophie's, Sophie's draw reaction when she sees what's in there is just to say bloody yeah. hell and then run off laughing. <laughs> I think we've speculated enough about what could be in that draw. No, let's yeah. speculate some more. <laughs> yeah, there's hours left in there. There's only so many times I can say dildos. <laughs> Um, so he's then at the Swatham count, country, 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 country fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> Producer Jed, do we need an edit of that? Is that fine? This is end of term. It's fine. It's I fine. said county. Mm. Um, they've, uh, they deliberately misspelled the aha on the sign. Uh, oh, <laughs> exactly I didn't notice that. that. They put AH-HA, which is not correct. Ah, um, very good. So yeah, that was, that was deliberate to show that people would misunderstand local celebrities slash spellings slash don't care. Yeah. Uh, speaking of country fairs, uh, Armando Anucci mentions on the commentary he was once disqualified from a, uh, a county fair uh, for putting a family fruitcake in the light fruitcake competition. And, uh, Outrageous. He still seemed quite bitter. <laughs> Apparently the judging on these things is ruthless. I've been to a couple of, uh, of fairs like this. It's strict. Yeah, oh, they take that shit seriously. Oh yeah. Dog fairs as well. They're the worst. <sighs> don't fuck with the country fairs. The worst and the best. Uh, as of 2003, when the commentary was recorded, Coogan got, fire, fire, the fair's on fire, uh, shouted at him a hell of a lot, but he said he prefers it to aha, at least. So, you know what to so shout. So, if you bump into Steve Coogan, shout, fire, fire, the fair's on fire. Yeah, even though, it's, maybe even though it's 13 else. years after he said that he preferred it. So, is he saying that's one of the most said at the point, at the point that they recorded the commentary, 2003, he said he just said he, it got shouted at him a lot, but he preferred it's at least it's better than aha. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Fact checked and approved. Fine. Um, no, I'm, I'm just surprised because Steve... you think there were there are more quotable partridge liners than that. Is I, it? He didn't say it was the most. He just said it was a lot. Okay. I, mean, I think we're splitting hairs. Sorry, um, sorry, splitting. splitting. <laughs> um, I like the fact that when he's judging the vegetables, he doesn't look at the steward at all while talking. <laughs> that um, steward is playing it brilliantly as well. Yeah, he's completely yeah. deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> you would almost, I, I would almost believe it was a, it was a real steward yeah, rather than a actor. Good. And uh, he obviously D- slates, doesn't like cabbages. Doesn't like no, cabbages. Skip those. And he slates the BBC not just to the steward but also yeah. over the mic. Any opportunity to broadcast to people that he thinks are willing to listen <laughs> yeah. about the politics at the BBC. Can you remember the three things he said he'd like to throw at Don- Tony Hares if he was in the Bob stocks? Rule. Hot bovril. Hot bovril. Gravel. Gravel. Yeah. And there's one more. Uh, hang on. I'll give you a clue. He doesn't like them. Uh, the, the Irish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's cabbages. Yeah, uh, of course. It's cabbages, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Armando and Steve described this bit where he's uh, explaining BBC commissioning policy to people at a country fair uh, as city chat to country folk. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even listening. <laughs> Which I thought was a bit of a partridge thing to say in its own right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else from the country fair? Onions. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Onion. Yeah, that's safe the, to say. The, the onion mysteries. On. The okay. onion mysteries. Onion murders. So um, uh, Alan gets back to uh, the Linton Travel Tavern, and I, I like that Lynn is basically just sat there waiting for his return, <laughs> flicking through a catalogue. Then... Also, also, Lynn says, I was just doing the catalogue. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I think that's what you used to do, though, in like the 90s. That was do what you would do. Yeah, you would, it catalogs. was basically like nowadays where you'd shop on you know, the internet online, be like, You'd get one and circle what you wanted. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember doing it that. Was in basically, yeah. the internet uh, before yep. it became C-Facts. <laughs> she, she was accused of, uh, of being looking at the big girdle section by Alan, which I thought was particularly it's so cruel, mean. A cruel yeah, opening so line. Mean. Not, not the first time he's been mean to Lynn, though, is it? So. Yeah, she just has to sit there and take it. Yeah, like a little uh, mouse. He then admits that he's upset <laughs> by people and hates the general public, which we, we suspected <laughs> all of them. But she does tear, tear up nicely by just going. Who's upset you this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's really good. It just and at this point, a recurring character finally comes good as there's a breakthrough call from Sukuk uh, to let him know that Tony Hares is dead. Um, and Lynn, Lynn's reaction to this again, a little, a little sneak peek <laughs> yeah. into the yes. <laughs> into yes. Lynn's slightly. Uh, you know, she's a Baptist. She uh, she's like quite meek and mild. And then you get this news, and she's celebrating as yep. if. Yep. But the, the sad bit is that she is obviously genuinely happy because she can see that it's going to mean something good for Alan and in theory, therefore her. And she goes in for a hug. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Put it I've, there. I've got it written down. <laughs> yeah. She's really, I've got it written down. She's really on his side, almost like a team, but handshake, almost. not hug. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Like and, also, and then he physically motions her away. Like he, he <laughs> dispatches she, her at that point. Is she thinking that it's ultimately good for her or is she just thinking it's good for Alan and well, that's the most important thing? I think her joy is more for Alan personally. Yeah, because she's not going to, I don't think, it, it, with what happens at the end of this episode and what Alan is rewarded uh, in terms of series and also financially, I would imagine that Lynn isn't going to benefit in any way in terms <laughs> of pay rise. <laughs> but there's always that hope. <laughs> but it, is yeah. it just because she just doesn't like Tony Hairs and she has a bit of history with Ooh, uh, Chris Feather yeah, that's as a good well, point. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the oh, thing. No, but she doesn't a... know it's Chris Feather at this point. She just said Tony Hairs. Oh, dead. no, it's true. Just, yes. Yeah, and then, and then Chris Feather gets announced uh, at the end of the phone call. Straight, <laughs> up, straight after Lynn going yes, uh, as he continues the... Um, the call, yeah. Yeah. And uh, producer Jed has uh, has pointed out something important. In a previous episode, we weren't sure if Lynn was Alan's PA around the time of Knowing Me, Knowing You, but it's become apparent that she's got history previous, if you like, yeah. with Chris Feather, who has replaced Tony Hairs, uh, and they've got a relationship that goes back 20 years. So she's yeah, probably been working... Alan's, Alan's talking to Susan, and he says uh, Chris Feather's used to flirt with Lynn all the time. Mind you, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> so, 20 years ago, that would be 1977. So, and, Tom... Alan, and Alan was... Uh, I've done the maths. Alan was 23 at that point, <laughs> so he had an assistant at when he was 23. To be fair, it's a broadcasting da- big shot back then. Tom Dart was probably 19 then, <laughs> and he probably had an assistant as well. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Shopping at Foster's Menswear <laughs> with his access card. Realistically, Life what was, was Alan good. doing in 1977? He wouldn't have been on the uh, anyway, He was probably, again, If you could probably refer to the book and work this all out, but he probably would have been doing sports radio broadcasting. Regionally. Yeah. Yeah. And he still felt that he needed an But also, Chris Feather would have been lower as well. I mean, it it's been, true. Yeah. It also, it's probably not the case that he needed an assistant, but if Lynn's going to do it, and it's probably at that point for about £200 so a year. How did he meet Lynn? I want to know 
how this relationship blossomed. They should explore it in Alan and Lynn Origins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Origins. Maybe there's watch. some kind of fan Which fiction watch. that exists somewhere about Alan and Lynn. Netflix Lynn. original. Right, uh, Tom's taken to Google for that. I think the results are going to be zero. But also, like, on Tony Hare's death, there are pains on the commentary to point out that that was devised before Rod, Rod Hull died exactly the same way. Yeah, I have that in my notes. That it, it, <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? That is exactly how Rod Hull died. Yep. Um, at this point, Kevin Eldon pokes his nose back in. I've just written, dull, so inoffensive. For now. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm going to read it out, but the only fan fiction online that I can find of Alan Partridge is someone that's written a poem as if it was from Alan to Tony Hare's called I Hate You. Please I think read. definitely read it out. I Hate You by Alan Partridge. I Hate You, Tony Hare's. BBC. Say your prayers, Tony Hare's. Smells a bit. Like covered in polyurethane compost. Posit. Smell my cheese, Tony Hairs. Cheese made up of many layers. I was great until you came, then you came and stole my fame. Now I'm on Radio Norwich and I can't think of anything that rhymes with Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> then you fell from your roof. I've always thought, what a goof. And on your grave I did stamp. Your wife thought you were you were damp. Knowing me, Alan Partridge, knowing you, scum. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the that's and, the uh, and who who wrote that? That is written by someone called uh, Leopard Storm on fanfiction.net. Great. So we're at the funeral. Uh, Tony Hare's widow is the jam woman from the day to day. Oh, right. Yes. Noticing people. More more Adam Brooks doing research there. Yep, that's right. Uh, Peter Linehan, who was the guy who was revamping current affairs in episode one, has now finished in episode six. Um, And the actor there is. IMDb wise is pretty much uh, British acting royalty. He's done all. He's done all the greats. Has he done the bill? He's done the bill. Great. He's done Doctors. He's done Silent Witness. He's done EastEnders. He's done Casualty. Yeah. Wow. No Holby City. Wow. No. Uh, no Holby City. No. That is a shame. I'm afraid not. Uh, but yeah, he gets the same shrug from Alan as he did in the first episode. <laughs> Alan, still not interested. Um, obviously, there's a slow reveal of the fact that Alan has decided it's okay to wear a Castrol GTX jacket to the funeral. Great. Great gag. Yeah. Uh, in the commentary, they said they had real trouble doing the reveal of that because they were trying to do it very quickly, but obviously you, you don't really spin around at a funeral. And there was some talk about it being a Firestone jacket instead of a Castrol GTX. <laughs> Alan has also, uh, well, this is previous, but in the future, he did anyone go to the live show? Uh, yes. Steve Coogan is... Yeah. Less, uh, was uh, Alan Partridge's less famous characters? Less known yes. characters. Less known yeah. characters. And uh, he... Less did successful. A simil- he did a similar <laughs> reveal, which was to turn around and reveal that the jacket he was wearing was sponsored by Whistler. Yes. That <laughs> yeah. show was generally not very good, though. Uh, the first half was terrible. The second half, yeah. when it was... The Partridge was, good. was great, yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, Steve. The next uh, the next five minutes or so of this, uh, they basically aimed to make it, uh, to exemplify saying the wrong thing. So everything he says is awful, right from, can I offer you my deep, deep despair on this very bad day? <laughs> <laughs> also, he buys her a travel clock from Littlewoods. Do you buy gifts for a... Well, you, pro- you probably don't, but again, that's just Alan getting it wrong. Yeah, He's and always also, getting it wrong. surely the last thing you want uh, at a funeral is a reminder of the passing of time. <laughs> <laughs> Very those, good. All those people that say life begins at 40. Nerve. <laughs> Conspicuous <laughs> by their absence. Yeah. Um, I, I, this whole scene, it's quite a long scene, yeah, and it is solid gold. Yeah. The whole thing is brilliant from start to finish. It's brilliant writing. Um Everyone knows that Alan is talking to his wife, except Alan, um, when, that, that sets up that gag. Uh, obviously, the jacket is brilliant, and just getting annoyed uh, when the widow asks him how to, you know, yeah, when the phone sure. rings. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's just, the whole thing is brilliant. It's executed like a dance as well, isn't it? The way that it all happens, like, basically, he's just him travelling in a circle from person mm, to person. Come yeah. and talk to him over yeah, there. Yeah, the timing's great. Uh, yeah, I, I did notice also in his conversation with Jane Hares uh, that... <laughs> He says to her, I'm sure you'll bounce back. So again, a oh, nice. foreshadowing nice of bouncing back. So funeral safely over. He's uh, got his meeting with Chris Feathers. Would it be terribly rude to stop listening to you? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for somebody. Uh, uh, did you say Chris Feather or Chris Feathers? Uh, I said Chris Feathers. Ah, see, it's in the show. It's Chris Feather. And when you go on to Every Ruddy Word, which is, you know, a properly published book and also book on IMDb scripts. of the script, IMDb of the scripts, it's Chris Feathers. So I'm wondering who made that mistake first. And it's basically kind of seeped out into online and then obviously in the book as well. But it, I was like, I'm sure it's Chris Feather. And then going back and listening. So I reckon someone made a big mistake at Every Ruddy Word. Hopefully someone's been fired. Who published that? Uh, just checking the publisher. Penguin, you shits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Funeral safely over, and uh, and Alan's in high high spirits as he's gone to Bang and Olufsen to get himself a top. <laughs> well, he's well, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. See, he's I not think, gone to Bang. And I think Olufsen. Tom Dark and I are racing to the same point. Here. <laughs> Before we get to that, can I point out that he, if you go back a few episodes, he talked a lot more about his stereo. He's bought Bang and Olufsen speakers for an Alba stereo. <laughs> <laughs> Alba. <laughs> Uh, carry on, Nick. Where are you going with that? What you going to say? Like, isn't Alba is kind of the brand that um, what, Tandy? It's, or it's, it's like Dickens? it's like Argos base level yep. stereo. You it's know. Grundig levels of performance. Yeah. It's like Sa- it's Sanyo. like spending eight grand on an exhaust pipe for your like Morris Minor. Can we, can we name other budget brands in, in the stereo market? Have we done Bush? <laughs> no, oh, keep no. going. Oh, We're just saying names. Nick, uh, <laughs> Nick is loving this. So, yeah, he's bought his bang and all of some speakers for his Alba stereo um, from a place called Hi-Fi Sirius, which uh, fans of uh, pop rock slash heavy rock in 2002 will remember is what band A called their album. Uh, and then they had an accompanying tour, which was also called the Inner City Sumo Tour. Nice. Brilliant. Oh, I didn't know Very that. Good. Okay. Damn, did anyone Carter. go to that tour? Do get in touch. No. no, no. Um, Alan thinks he's on a roll, so he asks Susan out, and she says no. <laughs> so <laughs> he proposes to build a time travel gymnasium <laughs> where he'll come back built as a brick shit house. And she says she then would. you'll kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> she said she'd go out with him if he was younger and more attractive, and you see her thinking about that answer before she gives it. Yeah. And I think the reason she's thinking is not would I actually do it, but is it safe to say I would because it will never happen. Uh, so. and, and then I love it she says if you excuse me a moment Alan I have to leave the desk unattended <laughs> she's out of there um, Alan why don't you go and talk to somebody else <laughs> it's kind of the same thing so there's a bit in uh, I Partridge where he talks about where all the hotel staff ended up uh, Susan was, became facilities manager at the Norwich Metropole um, and also in I Partridge he remembers everyone's name except Sophie which is uh, a bit mean Poor, poor, lovely Sophie. Oh dear. And his assistants. So uh, at this point, Ben comes in and they have what's kind of a bonding session, Ben and Alan, but also it's Ben is most smarmy. Yeah. Yeah, but I, th- I think Ben is just a very smarmy character. From from the outset, the first time you meet him, I just think he's got an air of smarm about yeah. him. I don't know about you, but I think I think the line that winds me up the most is when he, uh, Alan asks him what singers he likes, and he goes, "Oh, you know everything: <laughs> Frank Sinatra, Kurt Cobain." Fuck off, Ben! Like, <laughs> what, imagine if you were having that conversation with someone you just met. You just basically go, "You're a dick." Yeah, yeah. what, he, he what a deliberate prick. attempt to just seem open-minded, but also what safe choices? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've also missed. Michael bringing the stereo in and saying he has to make a couple of trips because he keeps dropping them. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's, that's such a throwaway gag in the script because they yeah. very quickly move on to the next yeah. dialogue. But, but that is brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> Why does the stereo come in that many bits? I feel like it's always contained in a box, isn't it? It's speakers, isn't it? For apropos achieving surround sound yep. that he's bought. Come he's on, a keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Soundbar comes in one box, though. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's ninety-seven, man. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. wasn't bloody Sonos. For Sonos, Christ's sake. yet to be invented. Uh, Lovely Sonos. Oh, so this is the point that Alan uh, describes UB40 and Def Leppard as Britpop bands and then uh, goes on about <laughs> Wings as only the band the Beatles could have been, which is fun. Oh, there is, uh, it's a bit of a, a spoiler, but um, in Mid Morning Matters, there is a good uh, line in with UB40 where he says, This is what I said to my uh, girlfriend last week UB43. <laughs> 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 Uh, Kevin Elwin. Say that's Tom Tart soon. Yep. Yeah. Well, 40. <laughs> finished last He's not happy. <laughs> I'm joking. Tom Dart was 35 last week. <laughs> in case you want to get in touch with him on the social. Uh, happy maybe. birthday, Tom. Yeah. At Tom yeah. Dark. Yeah. 35. Hope you had a good one, mate. Um, no. Kevin Eldon <laughs> enters at this point and uh, even laughs at the words bang and Olufsen. <laughs> uh, and then Alan tries to outlaugh Eldon in the lift. Uh, Doesn't work. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that makes me realise there are so many points in this series when he comes out of the lift and he's just disgusted with who else yeah. has been in the lift with him. He's walking out of the lift going, unbelievable. And this always funny. Yeah. He's at the BBC now. Uh, Alan sweetens the pot by throwing Lynn into the deal with Chris Feather. Trying <laughs> yeah. Pimping Lynn out yeah. as some kind of like bounty to be won if he's secure. I don't think Lynn minds that much No, I was going to say, where do you think she sits on the, on the line between mortified and quite happy? I no. think she's quite happy with it. No, I don't think she is. If you look at her face when she's... Crossing no, well, I think she's a bit just a bit corny. Don't crush bit, them. <laughs> if push came to shove, uh, do you? Yes, think- she would. Yeah. <laughs> Anything for Alan. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and obviously, as as things progress, uh, oh, there's a few jokes in this that, that Armando and, and Steve weren't particularly 
uh, enamoured with. One is that. one is the uh, I'll get a bottle of Bolly. I'll sod that. Let's have some champagne. But that was definitely one of the moments where they were like, "Oh, that was silly." <laughs> I think it's that's pretty good. I think it's bang on for Alan's character. Yeah, it's as classic well. Alan getting sophisticated culture things, well, items wrong. You, you'd best write to the creators of Alan Partridge and tell them that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> also, the one thing I thought was a bit a bit ridiculous, probably the most ridiculous thing in this whole series, two deaths in one episode, and they're both <laughs> the chief commissioning editor of the BBC. It's a bit unlikely, isn't it? Yeah, but I, you can only get so far if you question the authenticity of a comedy like this. I so know, I think I it's know. fine. I know. But they did all, if, there was like three days between them dying. Well. It's a tough fun, stretch. Just very unfortunate. Um, oh, also I've got down here that, uh, Lynn is obviously out of the room when Chris dies. What would she have done if she'd been in the room? Kiss of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll handle this. Stand back also, a five year contract, £200,000 a year. That's, that's, what, that's a million pounds. Yeah. Someone else surely would have had to have signed this off. Well, he's the chief commissioner. Is, it, does he, is he literally, like, as a man who works in telly, Tom, is he literally the top yeah, bollocks? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say yes. Okay, yeah, fine. He's, he's the top bollocks, that, thought, is, that is a fact. I thought there must be yeah. someone else who would have signed that off and gone, mm. actually, no, these last But maybe, he, maybe he's had the conversation. <laughs> well, <laughs> there is a that. man live on air. <laughs> he killed a man. Uh, second chance. <laughs> they also say, it's the, um, they say that this is actually, in some ways, quite close to BBC commissioning policy, for real. Um, I think <laughs> the whole thing is a bit of a light satire about the fact that Chris Feather doesn't know what he's doing, but is like old guard BBC, and so Ooh. he's just got the top job the old boys nice. without necessarily nice. being any good for it. Doesn't seem to matter for long, because yep. then he's dead. My fav- One of my favourite bits about the death of Chris Feather, brackets S, um, is, uh, <laughs> is Alan's series of oh no's, where he's like, oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh. But then, oh, but his, no. his second oh no, it's like, does he think that Chris Feather is just waiting for the right kind of oh no to, to stop <laughs> joking around? around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris, are you dead? There's no reference to this in series two, is there, at all, like, about what happened after this? No, because I mean, he, well, you, obviously he signs the, the contract, so... Finishes that off. Yeah, finishes yeah. that off. You so have surely to presume... He gets, I can only assume they realised that the contract was not... Null and real. void. Yes. Yeah, moribund. Yeah. Uh, so that's ended in disaster. Uh, back at the uh, hotel. Meanwhile, back at the travel tavern. Yep. It's time for the theme from Black Beauty, which has been our theme all series. Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Oh. Um, and he's preparing the uh, the party bags for his, his <laughs> great leave. callback. Yeah. What could go wrong with that? What could yeah. go wrong? Um, in a deleted scene, the party bags were itemised. They contain caps, as in like the little explosives. I think uh, fruit salad sweets and fifty pence. <laughs> Is it, is it definitely explosive caps and not shower caps? Oh, shower caps. That makes yeah, more sense. I've just I got think, caps written down. <laughs> yeah, explosive caps for Michael because he was in the army. Right. Although mm, doesn't what, really. Mm, they noticed at this. Caps, they noticed at this point yeah. while doing the the commentary, not even before that, that uh, Michael's tattoo in series one is completely different to his tattoo in series two. Oh, yeah. I've not even noticed that. They've, no. they've loved it. Uh, and so, yeah, enter Michael. He's on the scrumpy. Uh, his, his, <laughs> his wife's living with his brother, we discover at this point as well. He's also wearing a lovely silk shirt. It, re- it really is very I got nice. married in this. <laughs> in Manila. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin Eldon's character, uh, Mike Sampson, follows shortly thereafter, telling his great story about how he can't cook, but he sells <laughs> kitchens. Uh, there's something so sweet about Michael's relationship with Mike Sampson that in a few minutes, yeah. he's like his biggest fan. Yeah. And I think it's because we've probably all been that person after a few drinks. Speak <laughs> yeah. for yourself. He's crackers, man. Okay, I've been that person. <laughs> In a Bolton accent. Oh. Um, also, there's a bit where Michael introduces himself to Mike, and he introduces himself as Mike Sampson, and then Michael replies, Hi, I'm Michael something 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 else in Geordie. And I noticed down, did anyone catch what his surname was? Because well, I assume he was... Which is can what, you not refer to... Well, every... This is what I've just looked up. Okay. I, was, I literally just thought, oh, I can look this up and see what he says. Mike goes, uh, Mike Sampson, he goes, nice to meet you. And Michael says, I'm Michael and all. As in like... Michael and all. So it's not his it's surname. Like, oh, no, no, it's, I'm, I'm a Michael just, too. Michael yeah. Basically, yeah. Mm. Okay. Oh, he was saying I? his surname and I couldn't hear what it was. Like, Mo- Michael Onall? We'll never know. <laughs> We'll never know. Um, the, the, then the rest of uh, the cavalry arrive, the rest oh, of the hotel staff. It is quite, it's, it is a bit touching and sad, this, this moment. Oh, no, I don't think it's touching because Do they've gone to, like, they're hoping for some kind of, like, 
breakdown or something yeah. to laugh oh, at him. They're nice. not there yeah. because they like him, and they're. But he has yeah. taken the time to print out thank you staff and goodbye. That's it's, true. That's quite it's touching felt. from his point of view, but from them coming. Uh, okay, I think yeah. It's more Sorry, like I did mean. I did mean. For, for a laugh. I did mean. Well, from uh, Alan's uh, perspective. Okay. I, I would assume they've just gone gone under duress. He's been in this hotel for how many weeks now? Have we got a count for this last episode? Uh, yeah, it was twenty six weeks, one hundred eighty two days. Right, yeah. He moves out on one hundred eighty three. So. They want to go there to kind of make sure he's leaving. That's the other thing. It's a bit of a continuity yeah. thing is that presumably if he's leaving the travel tavern, he has got that second series. Well, he's assuming at this point. Yeah, yeah but he's assuming though. It's mm. like he bought, the, he bought the house when oh, yeah. he didn't even yeah. have and, that series in the bag. The signature's yeah. in the contract. Contract. Well, it's a, some kind of shaky cross. Yeah. To be yeah. fair, we, I mean, let's not, not get bogged down in the legal details, but if it's a signed contract... <laughs> Yeah, that's a signed contract. But he didn't sign yes, it. But so remember, it, yeah, but no remember one knows it. That. Chris Feather he must have been was wrong. dead. So yeah, it's but not no, one, no one knows that. Well, I think that might be figured out when they have to call an ambulance and get his body removed. <laughs> don't you think? Well, I don't know. And also, when was the contract signed? And I, I think, again, in the book, in uh, I Partridge, that's what it's called, I'm struggling <laughs> to remember that, uh, I think, doesn't he talk about that and he makes out that Chris Feather died shortly after signing the contract. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems just no one believed him. Yeah. Um, I think it's arguable at this point that the uh, the party never gets any better than this because from this point uh, we discover Mike Sampson is a huge racist. He uh, is a massive but, racist. I, I yes. just interject here. I'm not suggesting he isn't, but Ooh. we need to remember what Alan's been. <laughs> say what Alan's been, you know, saying up to this point, and then suddenly the party goes south. But actually, Alan, as we've kind of. Uh, addressed is actually pretty racist himself. Yeah, but I, mm-hmm. I think it's a different kind of racism. Alan is just ignorant about people that are different. Yeah. Whereas Mike, Mike is very actively racist. He doesn't, doesn't like, like people of a different people. colour. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so he's kicked out. Uh, what what he said there? Just some people found it a bit offensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, from the commentary, I discovered that you see uh, you see Kevin Eldon leave the hotel room. You see him walk down the corridor to the end, still laughing, laughing yeah. all the way. Yeah. yeah. That door at the end is not a real door. And so there's a split second at the end of that scene where you see him reach the door and then just stand there. Oh, right. <laughs> because it doesn't actually open in real life. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then Alan's back in the room. They've all been in the drawer. The secret's out. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Lynn has to distract them with a song, which is, as Alan says, extraordinary. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think any of us could do it justice, but it's out there. But yeah. Nick, if you'd like to try. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's, um, off to, and, he's off to the BBC. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do, do we know? So, are we assuming this is Lynn's song is based on some kind of traditional? Maybe someone at home at home out there could get in touch with us and let us know what it's based. When on. we couldn't possibly Google this, oh, we've or... done enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and by that, I mean we're, the bare minimum. Yeah, <laughs> we're knackered. We've spent six weeks looking at IMDb and Wikipedia links. Yeah. Very tiring. Um, so he then starts chatting pedestrianisation again. I think it comes up. Three times in the series, him him doing pedestrianisation chat, uh, but Michael takes ta- takes against him. I think everyone so far has basically just gone along with Alan's views on pedestrianisation, but Michael's but now, a scrumpy too far. Uh oh, and also off. I guess because they know he's leaving, they can start not giving a shit. Yeah, he's he's in basically what is it like a kimono? He's had he's had, <laughs> he's had half a liter of scrumpy. He's ready. He's ready for he battle. Sat on a pie. Sat on a bastard. And then at this point, uh, it all falls apart. Michael leaves. The other two, you can stop sniggering. Yep. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he gets the full pelt of Susan's six months of rage. It's boiled over. She's had enough. She lets go. Yeah. And she snaps. It's yep. brutal. I was genuinely a bit frightened. It's yep. it's it's actually very like it's really good acting from her mm, because yeah. the the anger in her voice so is, genuine. Yeah. Well, in the commentary, they they were like they were saying, "Oh, I think we think she started a bit too high, and there was nowhere to go." Because her opening, like, "I'll tell you what it is," you know. But that's like, what I like about it because it's like the the anger is so pent up over those twenty six weeks. She's been waiting to shout at him and call him a little shit for yeah. all that time, pretty much, and it just comes out in one go. And then uh, she's out of there post uh, after being offered a sanitary bag, and then. <laughs> Belting him in the face. Um, <laughs> and then the line comes that uh, everybody involved with the writing of this was a bit like, yeah, stupid. Uh, which is when he turns to Lynn and goes, oh, I think that went quite well. <laughs> Clearly it didn't. Yeah. I mean, I think they're on the commentaries, they are kind of hypercritical about the jokes that they think are not very good. And, but with that one, I would agree. There's no way that Alan. Even though he's a character, there's no way that he just had. But I is think he not always well. trying to find the best in every situation? Not really. Yeah, no, but not at all. Is he trying of, to spin everything positively? I, uh, it's a bit of a safe laugh to put yeah, that line yeah, in. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, he, yeah. he he could have said yeah. something like, 
shall we put Black Beauty back on straight away? You know, and that would have been believable. Yeah. After season's amazing bit of shouting at Alan, we're then left with just Alan and Lynn in the hotel room, going to do a bit of cleaning up. And to soundtrack their cleaning up, they put on the Black Beauty theme tune again. Now, I think we'd all agree that not only is it amazing because we're using it as the Monkey Tennis theme, but the Black Beauty TV theme is, is one of the best TV themes out there. You might say it's brilliant. It's positively I, I, vibrant. I would say it's fantastic. Uh, so a question to the group. What are your other favourite TV themes? Oh, good question. Uh, Nick, let's start with you. Any 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 good ones? Uh, my favourite is going to be... S- I was going to start singing it, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back on our account. Uh, Red Dwarf, Only Fools and Horses, those would be my favourites. Good, good theme tunes. Uh, I had a very, very quick think about this. Um, The Muppets, it's a classic. It's time to learn. So these are more sing-along ones as well. Adam, what you got? Head and Shoulders Above Everything Else, Made Marion and a Merry Men. Very good. Very good. Sensational theme tune. And I'd probably have to throw in, I think, probably Quantum Leap and Cheers into the mix there. What's Quantum Leap? Sing it, Tom. Producer (laughs) Jed. Hey, that was uh, producer Jed overstepping his professional boundaries. Yeah, he's he's really crossed the line. We've warned you about this. You're going to get a written warning. (laughs) He's fired. Why don't you let us know what your favourite theme tunes are (laughs) via our socials and email, which Um, you should probably know what they are by now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, Jed hasn't said a few words for the last few weeks, so I think we can let him have a bit of singing. Oh, the closing credits of the raccoons. I reckon you know what that is. That is brilliant. That is a brilliant song. A massive chorus. Run with us. Lovely stuff. Well, I think it's fair to say we've gone off on quite a big tangent there away from Alan. <laughs> uh, after the Black Beauty moment, that pretty much wraps up this episode and therefore the entire series of I'm Alan Partridge. And it has made me think of one thing. Have we? Am I right in thinking there is no Bill Oddie reference in this episode? Tom, you are correct. That wow. means that up until this point we were averaging one an episode and there is no Bill Oddie reference in this episode. So it is only four out of the... Sorry, five out of the Good six episodes. Good maths again. Yeah. There. Pri- no, it. Privately five educated out of the six <laughs> <laughs> episodes had a Bill Oddie reference. No Bill Oddie reference. Poor Bill, he didn't get royalties on this one. Oh, that was a shocker. Dear. So uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode and also the end of this series. It's been a fun-filled romp all the way back to 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We've got a little bit more to come. We're going to play Partridge versus Maidley and also the final climactic game of Cards Against Humanity uh, Cards Against Alanity sorry don't sue us um, <laughs> you've given which, the game away there Adam. literally is anyone's game although Nick is so far in front he has already won yes. but uh, let's let's pretend there's tension stay tuned Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And now it's time for a game that we've chosen to call Maidley versus Partridge. Very exciting, I think you'll all agree. So, those of you that are Partridge fans, you may be quite aware that if you look on the internet, there are lots of Richard Maidley quotes that make him sound like a real-life Alan Partridge. So what we have here are 12 quotes, and the game we're going to play with Adam, Tom and Nick 
uh, if we can guess, does this quote belong to Richard Mady or Alan Partridge? And I think you'll find it's quite hard to tell who's who. I'm ready. Are you ready? So we're going to have group, we want group answers here. I want you to confer and come back to me collectively. Number one. Who said this? Richard Madeley or Alan Partridge? I have to confess, as someone lucky enough to own more than one home, I know almost nothing about squatters. <laughs> I think that's Madeley. Madeley. That is Madeley. Number two. Who's this beautiful man with a lovely voice? It's Annie Lennox. Oh, I think we know Partridge. Partridge. Yeah. Partridge. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say this was going to be difficult. Number three. I really love ducks. They've always got a smile on their face. <laughs> I think Maidley. it's Maidley. I yeah. think it's Maidley as well, yeah. Yes, yes, three out of three. Top bombing. Number four. I, th- I think you're going to get this. Ooh, you're nicer than my wife. <laughs> it's <laughs> Alan. It's Alan. Number five. Can you imagine if they'd had Morris dancers at Dunkirk? Ooh. Oh, that's a tricky one. I th- I would it's think it's... Of- I would think, I think Alan. Yeah. Oh, oh, you think Alan? Okay. I, I go Maidley. Okay, yeah. I'm happy to go with the consensus. I'm going to say... Let's say Maidley then. Maidley. It's Madeley. Yeah. Number six. This will be my fourth root canal job, so I know the drill. Oh, very good. Oh, oh. That sounds a bit of a dad joke. Yeah. I don't know if... Alan, oh, again. I think yeah. Madeley again. Yeah. I don't think Partridge sees his kids enough to make dad jokes, <laughs> so it's going to be Madeley. <laughs> very good. Madeley. You are correct. Yes. yes. This is not proving to be a challenge with uh, three Alan Partridge experts here. Number seven. What is the point of salt grinders? 30 plus years of mass delusion, we must be mad. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I feel like it's Maidley. I think yeah, it's Maidley. Yeah, Maidley again. It's yeah. Maidley. Yeah. You're making this look easy. Uh, okay, number eight. Railway graffiti crews, get some fresh ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, by logic, it should be Partridge, but I don't recognise the quote. I don't recognise it no, either. No, I don't recognise it. I'm happy to go with Maidley. Four Maidleys in a row. Oh, why not? This is a tougher one. Yeah, I'm going Maidley. Okay. Okay, yeah, Maidley. Maidley. Group consensus. Maidley is the right answer. Yes. Maidleys in a row. Wow. Number nine. Don't worry, we're nearly done. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that to us or the listeners? I don't uh, want to say ever, everyone, everyone involved. <laughs> Number nine. Five stone. Wow, that's concentration camp thin. That is. Oh. <laughs> I think it's so bad it must have happened in real life. Yeah, so yeah Maidley. Maidley. Yeah, it's Maidley. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Get the look. Get, get the look. <laughs> he's, he's actually worse than Alan is what yeah. we're doing here. Number 10. <laughs> this is t- he loves it. Remember when he had Thrush? You must have had a terrible time of it. No, <laughs> Not, do I get bonus points for who he's saying it to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the information here, but okay. we can take a guess. I think it's Maidley and I think it's aimed at poor old Finnegan. Yep. <laughs> Whether I'm going to give you yeah, yeah I reckon Finnegan they're both pretty downtrodden <laughs> number 11 there's only one more to go I do enjoy letting myself off the leash a bit is it Maidley again? I think it's Maidley again yeah, yeah. it's Maidley again yeah. final question number 12 <laughs> it's ridiculous stop getting Bond wrong <laughs> it's Maidley <Padre. laughs> <laughs> yeah it's Alan <laughs> Bloody hell, we got 12 out of 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's us. Well, you are experts, so yeah. I should hope so very, too. Very true. So, uh, yeah, that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we won't be doing that again. <laughs> so it's come to the climactic final round of Cards Against Alanity, our Alan Partridge-themed, Cards Against Humanity-themed, quiz-themed thing. <laughs> <laughs> Something um, about a theme. Nick is roaring ahead with three points. Uh, Get Tom, it in. Tom Stab's got one. Tom Dark's got one. And despite devising the quiz and literally slaving <laughs> hours over it, I've got nothing. Just um, be better. The good news is, though, we've all only got one card left, so there's really only one option for us to play. We have um, literally no choice in the matter. The uncompleted uh, phrase from this week's episode is, who's upset you now? And your card basically forms the answer. So you can pass them all over, and I will pass them on to Jed. He's going to take a look and He's pick his, his favourite so and then hand them back to is. me. I will read them out. This is very you will, tense. You will hear Jed ping his bell for the winner. I'm hoping I can get at least one point He's on the chuckling. here. <laughs> He's having a lovely time over there. Lovely nod. Not nods of really, appreciation. Really ab- absorbing the... Uh, have to keep nearly dropping the bits okay. of paper. So, these are the answers. Who's upset you now? A voice box. Who's upset you now? Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> <laughs> Who's upset you now? An exclamation point. And who's upset you now? Camp David. 
Yes! Yay! It's two for me. I've not got a single one on the scoreboard. Aww. So Tom that was worth ten points. Yes, that was. <laughs> no. So I am the winner. Tom Stab r- has one. Tom Dark has two, and Nick has emerged as the season series Ooh, yeah. winner. And that's the real quiz. Yeah. Congratulations, you win nothing. Not even our respect. <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> Never gonna <laughs> happen. Never gonna happen. Thank you for joining us for Cards Against Alanity. And on that bombshell, we come to the end of this episode and the end of our current series. Thanks so much for listening. Um, we will be back after a short break with season two, uh, or series two, if you live in Britain. We do. I don't know why this season. Um, <laughs> he likes we, American things. Yeah. Uh, Text. We'll, oh, we'll, uh, we'll be covering the second series of I'm Alan Partridge with Sonia, uh, The Static Caravan, Bono's House, and all of that. Text. Uh, plenty Dan. to come. Text, Dan. Oh. Uh, hot apple pies. Sex people. Sex people. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of All of this fun to come. Yeah. Um, but do stay in touch with us in the meantime. On Twitter, we are at the Partridge Pod. On Gmail, we are the Partridge Pod at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod. All that remains really is to say thanks so much for listening, subscribing, and rating us so far. And we look forward to bringing you series two very soon. From all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge Podcast, goodbye and aha. Aha! Jurassic Park. Just quickly before we go, a few essential thank yous. Firstly, thanks so much to Jed Shepard, our intrepid producer, for putting this podcast together and supporting it all the way. Uh, David McNamara did our artwork. Thanks so much to Dave, a.k.a. Indie Dave. Rebecca Brooks recorded our adverts, quote-unquote. Thank you so much for those. And thanks also to Maxim Luckin, who was our episode two guest. If you want to catch up with us on Twitter, our personal accounts are at Tom Stab, that's Stab with two Bs, at Tom Dark, at Nick Alder, that's A-L-D-E-R for Alder, and at Adam Nonfiction. Thanks again, and goodbye. This is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. To find out more about the records they release and the podcasts they make, head to postpoprecords.com. Monkey Tennis? Monkey Tennis? Looks like a lady, but uh, really it's a man. Monkey tennis? Not my face, I'm doing the photo shoot for Vision Express! Monkey tennis? Monkey tennis? I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Roll on the thighs of a virgin. Monkey tennis? Oh. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.